Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, yeah, the grass is green. But it's not what it seems. Cause when you think you want it, you just need it. I'm gonna live where the green grass grows. Watch my corn pop up in rows. The grass is always green around the other side. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Eight minutes after eight o'clock, we are back on Green and Growing. Good Saturday morning, too. Followed up at nine o'clock by Dave Baker and the Home Fix It Show. But yeah, taking your calls for the next hour. And at 8.30, we'll talk to Pike Nursery. So, guys, listen in at 8.30. Some Valentine's gift ideas. You still have time. And also weed control. We had a couple of calls earlier in the show about some pesky, you know, winter annual weeds that folks are dealing with right now. So, Pike Nursery will be along with some advice. want to say good morning to Kim and Sandy and Sarah and Larry checking in on the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page. And glad that uh, Kim and Sandy and others shared some of the great things that I have posted on the Facebook page about the Great Backyard Bird Count, a a list of some of the links and resources that Becca and I just talked about, as well as some things you may want to go ahead and have handy for that Great Backyard Bird Count starting next Friday. Four days that you can participate. You can participate just one of those days or all four for 15 minutes. What a, a nice excuse to relax. Just go get a camping chair or patio chair, sit outside for 15 minutes with your coffee or whatever, and just count birds. Sounds like a pretty nice deal to me. And I think I may do a couple of 15-minute cycles because I love birding. Um, You know, it's funny. My parents always had bird feeders, and my mom always kept them, you know, filled and and stocked and still does uh, and attracts a lot of birds to her backyard and her back deck. But it wasn't until I was in my probably early 20s, uh, my husband and I going to my father-in-law's house um, on Lake Lanier and spent the night out there. And, you know, we kind of spending the night went at a slower pace because my father-in-law is older. And uh, so when we woke up the next morning and had our coffee, we were out on the back deck overlooking the cove. And uh, we just sat there watching birds and talking about birds. And he was identifying them for us. And I thought, man, I think I'm too young to really be enjoying this, but I'm enjoying it. And so ever since then, I've just really had a interest and curiosity about making sure I know what birds are coming to my landscape and just kind of watching them and watching their habits. So at any rate, yeah, something to get excited about, the Great Backyard Bird Count coming up. All right, great calls. I appreciate Judy from Canton holding so patiently. Good morning. Welcome to Green and Growing. Good morning. Thank you. Yeah, you have a wonderful question. I love it. What are you dealing with? Well, I have some landscape issues. I live in a subdivision on us. I have a small lot. And on the... Um, east and west side, I have poor growth of plants and poor drainage. So I'd like to know how to, uh, how I go about finding a good landscaper to fit my budget needs. Right. So it's almost like a job interview, right? You're probably going to want to get 
estimates and ideas and have conversations with two, three, even four, um, you know, maybe some that come recommended from neighbors, some that you find signs on the side of the road, signs on the side of the interstate or talking with folks. Maybe they have a younger son who's trying to start up a landscape business or something. So word of mouth goes a long way. But it's it's funny you're thinking about that, Judy, because I opened the show with that, too. I recently had a conversation with uh, Mary Kay Woodworth, and she's the executive director of the Georgia Urban Ag Council. And reminded me, you know, there are no certifications or licensing requirements in Georgia for landscapers. And don't get me wrong, there are great companies, you know, who have no professional certifications, um, but still do a good job and they know their trade. But then you have to give credit where credit's due to the folks who do have that higher education, a degree, the certifications. They follow a code of ethics that's just expected in the industry. So you can get lucky and find somebody who's affordable that doesn't have all the certifications or you pay a little more uh, for the peace of mind and the guaranteed knowledge that a lot of these guys and, and gals bring. So some of the questions I would think about asking first, Judy, are first of all, like, what services do they offer? You know, if they see your problem, but maybe they're not necessarily landscape architects, you're going to be wasting your time uh, and, and you're not going to be able to, you know, uh, there, there's no amount of money that you could give them that they're just not going to be able to, to have that knowledge if a landscape architect is kind of the direction you end up needing to go as far as drainage and re, uh, redirecting, you know, water and erosion control and all of that. But ask them to be specific about the services that they offer. And also insurance and licensing. I mean, that comes up as well if they're covered, if they're insured, if they do have any professional uh, affiliations or credentials, and also like other work that they've done, you know, if they have pictures or references of other clients that they've had, and then knowing the expectations, if they guarantee the work, what comes with the, you know, the amount that y'all agree on, whether it's a contract or not, what they're going to do for that price. Um, And it may be if they have like an installation specialist or something on staff that then come out and guarantee the work once it's done. Um, But I would have just a a few people kind of come in and out, have them walk the property with you. Feel free to ask a lot of questions. And if you feel like your questions just are being circumvented or not being answered properly, then that's probably going to be, you know, a gut check that 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 may not be the right person for you. But someone who's trained in environmental stuff should be able to kind of look at your, you know, property and tell you what's possible and what's not. You know, for example, if you're trying to grow grass on a slope or you're trying to grow grass in a spot that's just simply too shaded out. I mean, there are just some things that aren't going to work. And someone who's honest with you should be able to tell you that and then offer other alternatives or other suggestions. So what are some of like, give me go like two of your biggest concerns or two of your biggest problems in the, in the landscape? On the sides of the house, we have small lots. And so and the houses are close together, so there's not a lot of light. Mm-hmm. Plus, right next to the house now, there's it uh, is a short. Uh, there's very poor drainage. Like on one side is my air conditioning unit, and uh, where the humidifier, and mm-hmm. it's like it's wet over there all the time. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and if it's next to the other house, will, doesn't get a lot of sun. Yeah. Yeah, and then nothing grows mm-hmm. <laughs> either much <laughs> except moss or just it's just muddy, and um, and then so. Uh, and the other side is just mostly red clay, you know, and it's hard. And yeah. so um, there's very little room to do anything. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, so I don't I don't see a lot of my neighbors using landscapers, you know, as far as uh, companies to come in and do things. Mm-hmm. So um, if I was going to go online and search, would this 
Georgia Urban Ag Camps will be a good place to look for companies? It absolutely would be. And that's going to take you a step further than just the guys that mow and blow. You know, I mean, there are the landscapers that literally all they want to do is mow your grass you know, blow leaves when the time's right. They may offer times when they lay down mulch or pine straw, but they're not going to get into pruning and fertilization necessarily or seeding and aerating when the time comes. But yeah, these guys through the Georgia Urban Ag Council that they recommend, they're going to probably go, you know, a few steps further. But when you go to urbanagcouncil.com, urbanagcouncil.com, right over to the right is find a professional. And that'll at least get you started with a directory, you know, find someone in the Northwest Um, area where you are. But also, too, Judy, what may be a a simpler start is going like to a Pike Nursery or something like that and having conversations with their employees because they are super knowledgeable. They are all trained. They have a stake in the company where they work. And so kind of giving them the the challenges that you face. The fact that you've got that red clay, that can totally be overcome. You know, sometimes it's it's a blessing for us here in Georgia. It works with a lot <laughs> of plants despite how, you know, compact it seems. Um, but like those areas beside the house that you stay, they stay shaded and they may stay wet. Well, there are plants that are going to be just fine, you know, staying in more moist conditions. And let's not try to grow grass there because it's just not going to happen if it stays too wet and doesn't get, get <laughs> right. enough sun. Yeah. So Pike Nursery may be able to offer some other alternatives, you know, and ideas. And then you can go through with them. They also have landscape design and, and architecture, um, you know, availabilities to you. But also they have a pick and plant service where they literally tell you what plants will work. You pick them out and they can plant them. You can plant them yourself. So that would be a good place to start, too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. So a Pike Nursery location, the closest one to you would probably be in Town Lake off exit eight. But yeah, go to urbanagcouncil.com and go to find a professional and maybe at least start the conversations there. Okay. Very good. Oh, good luck to you, Judy. That was a really great question, a very thoughtful question, too, because I don't want you guys, I sound like Clark Howard, but I don't want you guys to get ripped off and I don't want you spending money and then not, you know, getting the outcome that you expected. And like I said, there are a lot of people that aren't certified, that aren't licensed necessarily, but that do a great job, but you only are going to find out in having conversations with them. Test their knowledge, ask them what they know, you know, ask them, so are you going to be the guy that fertilizes and I don't have to worry about it? Are you going to be the guy that prunes things or do you leave that alone and our expectations on the table are just that you're going to maintain my lawn and you know blow leaves so you kind of have to work a relationship with them and kind of level of expectations set that right out front 404-872-0750 when we come back we'll talk to billy and jackson he has stumped me with this one uh, trying to identify uh like a pink and white flowering shrub that could be 10 to 12 feet tall hummingbirds and bees love it and i just can't I don't know. We'll talk more to him about it. Yolanda and Decatur, a red-barked shrub. What that is, she needs that identified. And your calls and Pike Nursery when we return to Green and Growing on WSB. First, an update on the weather brought to you by Finley Roofing and from meteorologist Christina Edwards. Partly cloudy today and tomorrow, but it's going to be warm today, almost 70 degrees again. Tomorrow, a little bit cooler. Highs only reaching around 50 and mostly sunny skies to start the work week on Monday on Valentine's Day. Let's be really mushy and make sure you remember the people that you love and care about. Yes, it's a commercialized holiday, but it's still fun. Makes everybody feel good. 404-872-0750. All right. Up next, Billy in Jackson, Georgia. Hey, Billy, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for accepting the call. Yeah, and I'm glad you've talked to Ann off the air. So tell me about this plant. 
Um, my wife says it's a morning glory tree. They grow from six to ten feet tall. Um, mine have never been pruned, and they're huge. And I need to prune them at least three or four feet back, and I don't want to kill them because they're beautiful. <laughs> so a morning glory tree. I just I don't know what that is. Does it look kind of like a hibiscus almost, with like a long, you know, nose or like stem coming out the center of the flower? Yes, ma'am. Okay, then that is kind and of like butter- a, yeah, hibiscus family. Okay. Yeah, I've had I've had somebody say that before. I couldn't remember the name of it, but yeah, the hibiscus. Yeah, uh, that's what they said. They thought it looked like. Okay. So, some of them are white, some of them are pink, some of them are pastel green. Yeah, and it attracts was, I, the pollinators, which I love, right? Oh, yes, the butterflies, the hummingbirds, the yeah. bumblebees. So your your thought uh, process here is it's never been pruned, and you want to prune it wide just because it's too big? It, yeah, it's too big, actually. One of them is close to the house. It's actually getting in my gutters and mm-hmm. on the front porch and... <laughs> Okay. I I would go ahead and prune some now, um, but the rule of thumb, Billy, is never really to prune more than a fourth or a third at a time. So stop when you have removed about 30% of of the plant, but go ahead and start knocking it back in height. Um, I don't think this is going to be one of those where if you prune it now, you're going to be cutting away, you know, the blooms. You'll still be able to enjoy those in the summertime. Um, But yeah, get out there with, with sharp pruners and go ahead and start reducing it and start by, you know, maybe decluttering some of the branches throughout the middle, you know, kind of opening that up a little bit to make sure sunlight can get in there, and that'll, in the long run, produce even more and more flowers. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I was able to get one uh, email sent to you with a picture of it. So. That's what Ann said. Yeah, she gave you my email address off the air, and it hasn't come through yet, which makes me sad. But when it does come through, I will answer you and your wife, because I'm, I'm anxious to see it. It sounds awfully pretty and i want to share it with other folks who may not really you know realize what we're talking about but that's kind of the best thing i can think as far as a morning glory tree so yeah y'all are lucky that sounds fantastic all right thank you i love it oh you're so welcome well yeah go to town and prune that and and like i said just a general rule of thumb with me not knowing a hundred percent what we're talking about is just stick with you know only removing up to a third of it uh now but if i see that it's something different like i have a rose of sharon um and that is super like just nothing but it looks like dead limbs and it's just twigs right now. No leaves, no flowers, no nothing. Um, that kind of is in the hibiscus family as well. Now that, Rose of Sharon, I know for a fact what that is. I can cut it all the way back now and it's going to bloom on new growth. And it, I mean, I can totally knock it back. Um, but just to be safe, I'm telling you to only remove a third for now. But once I see a picture, I'll share it with others and we'll kind of get, get on track with that. I want to talk to Yolanda about a red bark shrub and she has a question about West Nile virus and also Sherry in Woodstock putting out pre-emergence. She wants to prevent chamber bitter. I've got some advice for weeds for all of you when we return on Green and Growing. It's WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. 
the show goes by so quickly. I just am like in awe of that. Every single Saturday, you'd think I'd be used to it by now. But yeah, so Dave Baker is going to kick me out in less than half an hour to start the Home Fix It show at 9 o'clock. But we still have some time together. 404-872-0750. Up next, Yolanda calling from Decatur. Hey, good morning. Hi, how are you? Great. So what are your questions for me? Well, um, I've noticed at a shopping center, and I'm sure they had leaves, but during the uh, winter, you know, most of the shrubs lose their leaves. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's red bark. The the stems and and stuff is red, and it's beautiful. And I wondered what kind of shrub or bush that might have been. So it was a shrub and not a tree, correct? No, it's not a tree. Okay. It's, you know, whatever they do. Some of these plantings around shopping centers and um, grocery stores, I saw it at a new Publix. Okay. So it not being a tree, that narrows it down for me. I'm kind of thinking like a red twig dogwood. Um, They're not super, super common. I don't see a lot around Metro Atlanta, but a red twig dogwood, um, it, it grows fine in, in our zone, Zone 7. Um, it does like full sun to part shade, so sounds about right for a shopping center. And it's deciduous, yep, it loses its leaves. Um, and a tree that has awesome red bark is a coral bark maple for folks who want kind of a, a tree that has a similar just, you drive by and you're like, wow, that tree is is red. It's a coral color. So, you've yeah, you've got a, a shrub that you can enjoy that looks like that. You've got a tree that can kind of do the same. So that might be what it is. Okay, okay. And my other question is, I've been listening about the birds and everything, and I'm looking out my front window here, and I'm seeing a a flock of robins, the red-breasted robins Uh out. But I've never been one to uh, actually feed birds. If they're out there, that's fine. But I've heard that, well, I've read that they carry West Nile. And because of that, I've always shied away from trying to attract more birds. Yeah. Okay. Now I know alligators do as well. Oh, I hadn't heard that one. So I'll give you some good news, Yolanda. From the CDC, you know, the Centers for Disease Control right here in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. they do say West Nile is not spread by touching live animals or from handling live or dead or infected birds. So that's good news. The transmission does not come directly from the bird to us. Of course, if you're you know, disposing of a dead bird or something that, you know, became diseased and he, he died. You do obviously want to wear gloves and plastic and all that kind of stuff just to be safe of other things. But it is only when the mosquito becomes infected when they feed on infected birds. So he has to be, the mosquito has to be the vector in order to get it to us. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. so it's definitely just coming from the mosquito no matter what. Yep, and they said in a very small number of cases, always a caveat here, West Nile could be spread through exposure in a laboratory setting. Let's face it, that's not going to happen to us. Uh, Blood transfusions, and rarely does it go from mother to baby while she's pregnant. But yeah, directly from the CDC, which is good. It's not spread from us handling live or dead birds. So that's good news. So that can help you rest easy for sure. And always, you know, good sanitary practices when you do kind of start to venture out, maybe do a feeder or a little saucer of water here and there. You know, of course, they're going to go to the bathroom on your deck or in your space and keeping things hosed down. But yeah, I mean, that's at least one less thing to worry about. Yeah, well, it's good to know because yeah. I've heard that for, well, I've read that for years. And mm-hmm. uh, the... Uh, Journal and Constitution came out with an article about the alligators. Some yeah, that's. I'll look into that because the CDC. What I'm looking at here from from the CDC does not mention um, 
alligators. But yeah, just so the good news is it has to have the mosquito as the vector to then carry that to us. So um, very good thinking, though, Yolanda. Well, thanks for the call and thanks for the observation, certainly about the the really pretty red shrub. I'm kind of thinking red twig dogwood. So this is the time of the show where we talk to Pike Nursery and they have shared with me some Valentine's gift ideas. So yeah, you guys have times, you know, you're not just stuck with a bouquet of roses or flowers, which of course is nice, but thinking about something that's going to last a lot longer. My goodness, I had such a fun show two or three weeks back uh, when we talked about orchids. That whole conversation and show just took on a life of its own, which I loved with so many great calls and questions from you. And you all will hear that material again. I'm actually taking a Saturday off in March. Um, So that's going to be one of the hours because it was just such a good, substantial hour. And y'all were really, uh, you know, your interest was piqued by it. So Orchids just super elegant, super graceful. Um, they mean so many different things in so many different cultures. But succulents, too, that's a good, you know, popular gift that are so trendy right now. Um, there's cool little pots that they come in. Hoya hearts are a tiny succulent that has the leaves shaped like a heart. Uh, Kalanchoe, that is a blooming succulent, which is really pretty. Um, African violets, that's very traditional. Now, a lot of folks, same with orchids, are kind of like, I've tried my hand at African violets. I just don't have the hand for it. So with that and with orchids, too, my advice to you to just simplify it a little bit is don't water too much. I think we want to over baby them and over take care of them. And that is the first thing that ends up killing an African violet and an orchid is us watering it too much. Um, and also making sure houseplants like this get the light that they need, the the right light in your house. And orchids, I mean, you can certainly bring outside when the weather uh, warms up a little bit. But, you know, ask an expert at Pike Nursery, what light does this require? If the tag doesn't say, they're going to be able to tell you. Florist hydrangeas as well. And then come spring, you can transplant them outside and they're going to last just like a rose bush would as well. Um, And Japanese camellias, that's another shrub that's in bloom right now. Stunning big flowers, stays evergreen. It keeps the leaves on it year-round. Camellia bushes are absolutely beautiful and a great addition to the landscape as well. So there are some things to consider. Plus, patio furniture, all kinds of gift ideas, garden tools, which we all could use a new pair of gloves to start off the spring, maybe a bird feeder or two, or some nice new pruning shears. Holy cow, that is what I'm in the market for. And also, uh, Pike Nursery wanted to kind of remind us of weed control, right? Because a lot of you weeds, those winter annual weeds are starting to wake up in the lawn and you're starting to see them. We had uh, someone call earlier in the show about lawn burr weed or spur weed. I've got Sherry in Woodstock on hold, which uh, Sherry, I want you to keep listening. I'm not sure I'll have time to take your call, but chamber bitter. Um, we're starting to see, you know, chickweed, of course, have been dealing with that. So you really need to show your lawn some love right now. With the mild weather we've had, the weeds have been thriving, right? So now's the time to tackle those before the weather starts warming up. We want you to have a healthy, weed-free lawn. The number one thing to combat weeds, folks, is a healthy lawn, a lush, strong lawn. So really focus your energies and your effort into toughening up that grass. I don't care if you've got fescue, you know, that's still green right now, or you're looking at that dormant you know, Bermuda lawn or centipede lawn, but the stronger you make it and it gets the water, the light that it requires, fertilization, you can't go and not fertilize it a few times a year. You know, it's just not going to perform well for you. So that's number one, really staying on top of that. And a good way to do that is uh, Walter Reeves 
lawn care calendar. This has been around for years. I've talked about it on the show. When you go on WalterReeves.com in the search bar, type lawn care calendar, and it's one page. You print it out. You know, pick which grass you've got. If you've got centipede, St. Augustine, whatever, print that out, and it tells you month to month when you need to fertilize, when you need to do pre-emergent herbicide, you know, because you're getting ahead of the next season's weeds by a properly timed pre-emergent, uh, what post-emergence to use. You know, you're not just limited to, oh, I got to spray the weeds with Roundup. There are so many broadleaf weed control, uh, Weed Beater Ultra, Weed Beater Max, all these things from Bonide that really are so specified and tailored to the weeds you have that aren't going to be harmful to the lawn. Right now, some of the types of weeds you may be seeing, uh, henbit, wild onion, we mentioned chickweed, crabgrass, oh, all kinds of things. If you don't know what it is, you can pull it and take it to a pike nursery, show it to them and say, this is the weed. It's all over my yard. Here's what lawn I have that it's growing in. Help me identify it. Or something else is handy for you. You can go to my Facebook page. Green and Growing WSB is what you search on Facebook. Green and Growing WSB. And over the years, I've established a photo album. So when you go to my photos, go to albums and it's Weed of the Week. And, you know, in season, I try to post a picture of a new weed every week, uh, a very good picture that identifies it for you when it's in bloom or when it's actually starting to show up and then how to combat it. So that's going to be helpful for you as kind of a glossary um, to see what weeds. The The latest one that I just posted actually is henbit. I had um, my fescue lawn, you know, reseeded back in the fall, I guess October. Um, and it's lush, it's strong. And so I'm not seeing as many weeds now as I did this time last year because of that seed application. I'm probably going to do another one in March. Um, but certainly enough, like baby henbits starting to poke up. I, mean, I can already tell what it is. And now I've kind of let it go. So I'm starting to see the beginnings of those little purple flowers that are wanting to open. But nonetheless, you'll have pictures there on my Facebook page. So if you're lucky and you've been diligent with weed control either way and your lawn is currently weed free, then that's great. You're good. A pre-emergent, properly timed, like maybe pike crabgrass preventer or something, that gets ahead of the weed seeds, keeps them from germinating. Um, and then if you have weeds currently and you want to make sure that those are, you know, you get ahead of them, uh, a combination of a pre-emergent, post-emergent, something that has something that's going to prevent it and treat what you see now. Like I mentioned, the Bonide is the brand name, but Weed Beater Complete is going to kind of do a double duty of those. Um, so there are some ideas and products at Pike Nursery that hopefully will get you on your way. And yeah, Sherry asking about when to put a pre-emergence on chamber bitter. Chamber bitter is kind of like mimosa weed almost. It looks like mimosa leaves and then it'll start to have like a yellow flower in it, right? And it tends to germinate in late spring, early summer once soil temperatures reach above 70 degrees. So we're going to see a whole new host of weeds you know, come late spring than what we're seeing right now. So Sherry, I think you're properly timed right now to go ahead and do a pre-emergent or at least, you know, very soon within the next few weeks, I would say you're going to get ahead of any of those late spring blooming weeds and be able to treat those. Um, and atrazine, I mean, that's one of the names you're going to see with pre-emergent. Um, there's so many, there's asoxaben, but those are kind of the active ingredients on the labels that you look at. But thankfully for those of us who are not scientists, um, you're able to just see the pictures on the product of what weed it's going to prevent, or at least look on the label on the back, and it'll give you a whole host of what timed weeds that pre-emergent is going to be most effective on. But yeah, y'all go to WalterReeves.com, type lawn care calendar, and there you will see 
properly timed, you know, times of the year when to do the pre-emergent, when it's going to be most effective on which weeds you've got. All right. When we come back, if we have time, we're going to talk to Judy and Marietta, a recommendation for a bird feeder that goes along with our great conversation that we had about the upcoming Great Backyard Bird Count. We'll be back to green and growing on WSB. Only have a few minutes left, so the weather update for the weekend brought to you by Finley Roof, and you're waking up to a really nice day, almost like yesterday. Highs almost to 70 degrees, partly cloudy skies today and tomorrow. Highs only around 50 tomorrow. It's a little more chilly. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing and WSB meteorologist Christina Edwards. So Yolanda, uh, a few moments ago, had a great question about a red bark shrub that she saw in a shopping center. And I was thinking red twig dogwood was the first thing that came to my mind. Um, Charlie weighed in on the Facebook page and he said it could be Barbary. So that's very good. Thank you, Barbary. And then uh, Cornelius, he said, you know, some hydrangeas have reddish bark too, Ashley. So could be a different kind of variety of hydrangeas. So thank you for weighing in, guys. Appreciate that. Um, I think we have time to do this. Green, Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. I'm going to make time because it's really important that you uh, get out and enjoy the warm weather. And so here's some simple things to keep you ahead of the curve, right? Number one, it's ugly, it's unsightly, it's brown and dead right now. You know, I'm talking about the fountain grass, maiden grass, pampas grass, and you see a lot of places that have already sheared it back, and this is the time to do it. All of that can be sheared away now. You can leave like a crew cut of brown stems, a little clump. It can be taken back to only to where it's a foot high. So an electric shrub trimmer is what you see those landscaping companies use, uh, That what they're using. It certainly makes it a lot easier if you have to do it by hand. You definitely want to have some really good gloves and protective gear on because that stuff can be sharp. Um, But it's just going to take a while, but you can get through it. Number two, uh, cleanup pruning right now. Any kind of diseased branches to be pruned away, crossing limbs, broken limbs can be pruned away on the trees. And right now it's the winter silhouette. You can see the trees, their branch structure, all the limbs, any that might be damaged. It's a great time to do that. you got to prune before they begin to leaf out. Once they do, they need all that energy to start putting leaf, leaves, leaves, <laughs> leaves out. So then if you need to do any more pruning, wait until that process is done. And uh, number three, stock up on birding material. There's a great list on my Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. Some of the things we talked about with Becca Radomsky-Bish from Cornell, the Lab of Ornithology. You want a clean feeder, seed, bird baths, uh, maybe a bird book to help you identify them. And Judy and Marietta, you've got about 30 seconds, but Ann says you've got and a I'll great do my best. Yeah. I have a, a wooden uh, bird feeder that sits on the outside windowsill of my kitchen. Uh, it stays in place using uh, spring tension bars, mm-hmm. so it sits on each side of the window you know, jams. And right now I've got a suet bar on one side and safflower seed in the middle and dried mealworms on the right. Wow. And it's... Uh, it had a two um, a sliding door, uh, so that you you can see them, but they can't see you. Well, that wasn't good enough. I took it out. Now I can see them, you know, in the flesh. Yeah. I have wrens. I have bluebirds. I have all kinds of um, oh the, the the little birds, uh, goldfinches, and birds like that. Uh, and uh, even one time, I put my hand out there. I filled it with seed, mm-hmm. and I just waited. 
Oh, see, and all the different things that you have to offer there with the suet and the seed, that's going to attract all different kinds of birds. Judy, my request for you is send me a picture. Um, if you're on Facebook, go to Green and Growing WSB. I would love to see a picture of that setup. And maybe other folks are kind of curious about it, too, because if they really love birding, you got all your bases covered. Thank you to everybody for being a part of the show today. I will be back next Saturday. Be well and uh, go Super Bowl.